This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart you can finally start to live your truthiest life. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. It's your host, Lisa Haim. And just going to do a quick intro before we jump into the episode, which I'm really excited about. Uh, you may notice that my energy, I feel like on this intro is a little bit different. And that's because I'm recording this on Thursday. So the day before the episode is released. And I am just emotionally deplete today, emotionally exhausted. And I think it's important to kind of show this version of me, not just the really well produced high pitch energy one that I kind of try to come online with. And I think that we need to understand that as humans, we are a range of emotions and the ones that aren't perky and high pitched and all of that, that doesn't mean we're in a bad mood or we're depressed even necessarily. It just means that our emotions surge and they they all need space. And I, you know, this is the truthiest life. And for me, that means really allowing myself to go through these ebbs and flows and not pretending to kind of be where I usually am, I should say, where I like to be uh, just for the sake of recording this. So I in historically am a big crier. I cry very easily. But for some reason during this pandemic, I don't feel that I've had many good therapeutic cries. And last night I broke. I just hit the point where I am frustrated, sad, I don't know, just pent up energy. It just came out and the emotion kind of surged is how I'm kind of explaining it. And then the me who's in control and puts one foot in front of the other just kind of collapsed under it, like a wave taking me under. And I had no other choice but to surrender and let 
it burn and sting and let the tears come down my face and feel that from, you know, the inside out and kind of being on the other side of the wave crashing over me, I feel actually a bit more peaceful, but I'm certainly not recharged and that's okay. I'm making lots of space for that. And I'm just recording this intro saying all of this because um, perhaps you too have some pent up emotional energy that needs to come out. And I want to give you the space to know that I think it's good. You know, in the beginning of this pandemic or somewhere in the middle, I talked a lot about sighing and how sighing is an involuntary thing that's really good for us, but we can actually make it voluntary and also have it be good for us. So if you're new to sighing, you know, when you just feel all that pent up energy, go ahead and let it out. And honestly, even just doing that feels good. And we need more tools in our toolbox, I think, to let it out. So just the things that I just want to give to you today is the voluntary sigh, bring that into your life, notice what it feels like into your body, and journaling. I'm not one of those people that journals every single day, but perhaps I should be because this morning I got quiet, put my phone away, and just let the words flow from my heart, and I got so in touch with myself by doing so, and I really thought about the ways, you know, when that that surge of emotion was taking over, what it felt like in my body, what body parts kind of were flaring up, where I physically felt it, where I emotionally felt it. I even wrote down what color I felt, even though, you know, who knows what that means, but it actually did represent a color in in my body. Anyway, don't judge the process. Just wanted to let you know that whatever you're you're feeling or experiencing, make space for it. That's what I'm doing. Anyway, this episode is awesome. It's with my dear friend Rachel Mansfield, who got fired from her job. I think a lot of people are dealing with job loss, and this episode really provides us with some inspiration of what could happen if you take some some big leaps and you do it your own way. That's really the key here. And Rachel also struggled with infertility. And as somebody who has so much of her life figured out to then struggle with, you know, having your body not show up for you the way she wanted it to is just super eye opening. And, you know, now Rachel's a mama and she's now pregnant with number two at the time of this recording. So it's just great. I think you're going to love it. Also, I just want to thank you for all of your reviews on iTunes. Please keep these coming. And just a heads up that I can't physically respond to reviews on iTunes. They kind of just go there. I can't do anything. So if you ask a question, you can always hit me up. Hello at truthiestlife.com. And our Instagram family is also growing. So check that out over at The Truthiest Life. And let's head into this episode. Welcome to the Truthiest Life podcast. Today is a very special day because we're joined by Rachel Mansfield, aka Rachel, on the podcast today. <laughs> Rachel is a well-known food blogger and influencer, over 400,000 followers on the gram, most famous for her banana bread. She's also a wife, a mama, an author of Just the Good Stuff and host of Just the Good Stuff podcast. She's also one of my close friends and someone that I'm really proud to watch kick butt every single day. But what most people don't know know is how Rachel came to be Rachel, which all started when she got fired from her comfortable nine to five job. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you. That was the first time someone's read like a little like synopsis while I'm sitting here. That was fun. Thank you so much. 
I'm so I had a lot more to say, but I summed it down. That was more than enough. You made me sound a hundred times cooler than I actually am. So thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're the coolest. So Rachel, like I said, is one of my good friends and I've known her before she was really Rachel. I mean, technically Rachel Mansfield on Instagram existed. I don't know. You probably had, you know, less than 50,000 followers when we connected. Now you have over 400,000 and you actually like Rachel Mansfield was your side hustle and you had a full-time job. So what were you doing prior to December 3rd, 2015? I was actually thinking this is like good timing because it's, well, I'm, I'm assuming this episode will come out relatively around my five-year fired anniversary. Yeah. So hello everyone. Before running my own brand full-time, I was actually running the earned media department at another CPG brand. So a consumer packaged good, a beverage company. And there I was overseeing their social media, their public relations, earned media. It sounds a lot fancier than it actually was. I was one of like the 20 or 30 employees at a small startup company. And I had started there as the executive assistant, to the CEO and founder, which was the hardest job in the entire world. I learned so much by being there about how to run a business, like a lot more about like entrepreneurial spirit, like what it takes to grow your own brand. And when I was working directly for the founder, that was when Instagram and the term influencer like didn't exist at this time, but I guess bloggers were becoming more popular. And I really saw that, like this industry was going to be something. And that's when I initiated to start running their earned media department. Did you say earned media? Yeah, I guess that's like the fancier way of saying like the media and like press attention that you get that's like more like earned, like through social media and public relations and any type of like a brand awareness. Um, yeah, see, it sounds so much fancier well, than like it actually No, does. but it, it provides a lot more insight into your background on being an influencer before you were even an influencer. Because like we said, like that term didn't exist when you and I both started. Blogging did. The word influencer was a weird word to adjust to. No. I mean, like I kept calling. I remember every Friday I would send an email out to like the executive team and like the marketing department. The subject line would be like bloggers are the new celebrities like why I don't know why I said that true but like I know but not, and I am a blogger like I don't believe that but like I just I knew like the impact in that like people like on Instagram and on their blogs have on other people and the influence that they had. That was when I was reading like Jordan Younger from The Balance Ball. Like I've been following her for that long. There's people like still that I've been following for like, I guess it's like six mm -hmm. plus years now. And to like, I really saw that this industry was going to be like going somewhere. And it was cool to like be on the brand side of that before brands really knew what this was going to be. Just to kind of go back to like you said, I think that influencers have more power than celebrities because you know them. Like when I watch your stories. I'm in your kitchen. I'm watching Ezra, your baby. And you're my friend. But influencers that I don't know on a friendly level, like we build trust with our audience because they see our world where if like Jennifer Aniston's like buy this face product, you know, I'm like, you know, you clearly were paid millions of dollars and don't even use the product yourself. So I, I think you were spot on. It is at the same time. I just feel like the term celebrity just, like, it means something so different. Like mm. I think bloggers have impact and they have impact they do have influence. And I think that we get a lot of our like knowledge from Instagram at this point in time, which is like scary, but true. And, you know, you hear about like the latest products and things through other people, but I don't know. It's weird. It's just so like referring back to my past, like it's so weird to think like how much the space has grown and changed in like such a short period of time. Like 
two years later that I would say that was when brands were really all hopping on the train and knew that this was going to like be something. Right. But you were ahead of time, but on the brand side. So clearly you knew what was up. You were running their, you know, earned media situation. You were getting the product <laughs> in the hands of bloggers and influencers. Why on mm. earth would you get fired? So in February 2015, because it was the year I got married, I felt super undervalued and undercompensated for the work that I was doing at this brand. I was living in Manhattan with my now husband, then fiance. We had just moved out of like our parents' homes to like move in together into the city. And we both stayed home for a few years post-college to save money. And like, I lived with my grandparents. I lived with Jordan's parents. Like we're a very scrappy couple. Like we try to like be financially responsible. When we like moved into the city, I still was like maintaining that mindset, but wasn't saving money because I was spending everything on rent. And then when I learned that I was undercompensated, that made me feel really undervalued in my job. And I like pitched myself to make more money. I was told I don't deserve more money. And that's when I was kind of like, okay, dude, then I'm going to find a side hustle because this isn't going to like be sustainable for me. But I loved my job. So I didn't want to like leave that type of like passion because it's hard to find a job that you're passionate about and that you love. So I start, I told Jordan, I remember sitting on our couch, our little like love seat couch in our 400 square foot apartment and said to him, I'm going to start walking dogs for babysitting kids. And I don't like dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like kids besides my own. Another reason that you and Evan, my husband, should have been a, a perfect partnership. <laughs> well, like, you know, I love Evan. But really, like, for me to say that, he was just like, damn, you're really desperate to, like, make more money. And then I had also suggested this weird idea to deliver overnight oats to people throughout Manhattan. Like I'm envisioning myself like riding a bike, like getting hit by a car every day, like delivering people like peanut butter, banana, overnight oats. And this is before overnight oats were popular. Like packaged overnight oat brands did not yep. exist. Every time I brought my overnight oats to the office for breakfast, I was people were like, what the hell are you eating that looks like mushy disgustingness? And Jordan had suggested, he's a lot more like, level-headed than I am. I'm like, reach for the stars. And he's like, let's stay down on like the sidewalk. He had suggested to post recipes about overnight oats on a platform of sorts and kind of see where it goes. And he's like, if you really want to do this, like you can find a commercial kitchen. Cause fun fact, you can't like sell food from your apartment, like to people in Manhattan. I didn't know that. Right. I would have just done it illegally. Right. And so I started posting recipes on Instagram and I knew just from my job that blogs were pretty like important if you wanted to be considered quote a blogger of sorts. So I started to write the recipes on the blog, but I shared the recipes on like my personal account, like on Rachel Mansfield, which I created in high school, like the name Rachel yeah. Mansfield because of my Gmail email address and I was applying to college because Rachel Mansfield with me is a nice woman that lives in London and she had already taken the email you mean address. Rachel Mansfield is in London. <laughs> We're pen pals because she gets a lot of my emails and she like forwards them to me. She's really nice. And so then I started posting the recipes on Instagram and I was having so much fun with it. You know, on weekends, I remember Jordan, I, it was like winter time too when I started this. So it was like weekends, it was freezing. I would like sit there and like make muffins. Like I learned like you can use oat flour and baking. Like I was just having so much fun exploring and I just kept sharing food, like sharing recipes. I, my account was growing, but by 
no means was it like, I think in a way where I would have been able to like sustain myself whatsoever. And then, so I was like February-ish, September we got married. I, uh, and then December, I was completely blindsided and was fired from my job. I was told that my brand would be a conflict of interest, my little brand at the time. Like, I was like, what do you mean? I don't have a brand. I just like make muffins and like banana breads and people like them. Like, I never considered myself having a brand, but I was told it would be a conflict of interest and I was fired from my job. So I walked out onto 7th Avenue. It was like 37th and 7th, I think. And I lived on 26th and 8th. So I just like started walking home and I didn't even call Jordan first. I called my dad because I was like freaking out. And Jordan's like, for those that know Jordan, he's so sensitive and he like really feels like when I'm upset, like he really, really feels it too. Love him. And I'm like, I'm not ready to tell him that I was fired. Like there's no way. So I called my dad, I called my mom, I eventually called Jordan and I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh my gosh, I just lost my job. I'm 25 years old, just got married. I'm living in Chelsea and now I, I didn't get like a severance package my parents were not supporting me. We were paying all of our own bills and I was so scared. It's crazy. Like now I like giggle thinking about it, but I was like literally like in a dark hole when that happened. It was really scary. I remember your vibe that week because did we have no we must not have had Instagram stories back then, right? No. The easy days. Yeah, the easy days. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember, you know, you were Rachel Mansfield on Instagram and I knew you had a side job at, or your real job. And you were growing fast for the time of then. Like, I was never trying to grow my brand. And then, like, uh, you know, I wasn't a brand either. I was just like, you know, a girl sharing my stuff. The world word influencer didn't exist. And then along came Rachel Mansfield with, like, this fiery, you know, ability to turn out recipes. And she's rising. So I remember you were rising fast. So, I mean, certainly not a conflict of interest to the brand you were working with. But I remember, you know, you got married. There was a lot of, like, buzz around you. And... I remember like you must have posted one picture because I have like a vivid memory of like you sharing something from your apartment during the day. This was obviously before you worked from home. And I was like, something's up with this chick. And it was like dark and gloomy. I don't know. Maybe it's just a vision I have. But you were down in the dumps. You people well, though. Like knowing me, I probably was just like posting everything and then eating my feelings like by myself. And you probably like somehow knew through like a caption or like a lack of an explanation point knowing you like that's something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like Jordan, though. I feel other people's emotions even without them saying it. So maybe that was it. But I mean, it, it was interesting to see somebody who was clearly knew what they were doing on what we call the wild, wild west of Instagram, even more so back in 20, you know, 14, 15. And all of a sudden, you know, you got married. Everything was like so up and up for you and then like knocked down. So yeah. how long did you stay in that feeling of scared and feeling paralyzed by it? So this was early December, which I, I mean, I know, especially right now during a time like COVID and this pandemic, like it's I feel so bad for anyone who's been like lost their job and like doesn't know what's going to be like what the future holds. And that that uncertainty just it didn't settle well with me. And I can't even imagine experiencing that again. But without COVID in the picture, like truly the worst time of the year to lose your job is right before the holidays because no one is hiring. Like everyone's doing like planning for next year. Everyone's like eating cookies with their family and like, you know, people save their vacation time for the holidays. So I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I didn't have the motivation 
to go and work for another brand, I really was lost. I, I had no clue what would be next. I dabbled in, I actually had started my own consulting business where I helped brands like kind of like freelance for social media. So I ran a few different brands, social media accounts, helped them with influencer marketing, kind of like decided to run my own like consulting agency of sorts. On the I just side, need to say like, that's incredibly challenging. It was so hard. It was great. Like it made really good money, like really good money. And like, I am like looking back, I'm like, wow, that was like awesome. But it was a lot of work to do. And social media, I think now is even more draining not in a bad way, but like, it's hard to really focus on more than one brand. When you have Instagram stories, you have IGTV, you have reels, you have your feed, you have like the content. It's like, they're so, and like engaging and with your community. So when I was doing that, it was a little bit easier than it would have been now. And so I thought that that was like a really great, like sustainable plan. I'll help brands with their social media, whether that's like helping them with strategy, execution, influencer marketing, whatever. And I helped like really small startup brands where it was basically like the founder and like one to two other people. And I remember sitting in like a pizza place by my apartment called Tapo. If anyone like is by the city, it's like one of my favorite pizza places. And I was with my mom, my dad and Jordan. I remember sitting there. I still remember what I was wearing. I have the shirt in my closet actually. And I remember sitting at that table. It was like in December or January and my parents and Jordan, we were all we're like, let's give this six months, see what happens. And if you can't grow your own brand and make this like a sustainable business, you'll find something else. Like corporate America isn't going anywhere. So that's what I did. I gave myself the six months and I said, let's see if I can grow my brand and knock on wood. I haven't looked back. I simultaneously was growing my own brand with recipe content on my blog and Instagram and also the little bit of like consulting, which probably lasted a whole like year of sorts. Cause after the full year, I felt I was making enough from Instagram where I didn't have to, like I wanted to prioritize only my own brand. Um, and I haven't looked back and now it's five, five full years of running this full time in, in December. And what a lot of people might not know about you is that you do everything yourself pretty much. But like, I don't, I don't recommend that. Yeah. I, I like, I, it's like, that's like my weakness is that I haven't invested in the amount of help that like I should to grow my brand further than like where it's grown now. This is really about like Rachel living her truthiest life and you are who you are. And that is why you have gotten here. So I'm not, of course, that's not the best strategy. Like I would, I can't do what you do. I'd rather make less money and I'd rather make no money and hire people to make my life easier. <laughs> Evan's always like, you hate making money. And I was like, I know, again, you should have married Rachel. She's really climbing, you know, but you have <laughs> you have this lioness in you that, you know, I remember every single day you were posting. And I know that obviously that's like part of it now. But again, the word influencer didn't exist. And every day you were showing up with a new recipe and you were liking and commenting everything like you were everywhere. And it was very like, whoa. But clearly a lot of people think what you do is easy. I know. I like rolled my eyes, which no one can yeah. see. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is that people and like even friends that I have like that live like locally, I've like heard them over say people like, well, Rachel's like the easiest job in the world. And I'm just oh, like, really? I might have a job in the world, but like it's not the easiest job in the world. And, like everything's relative, but 
yeah, I mean, I did a lot of this myself for, I mean, I, I still do a lot of this myself, I should say. Like I didn't have anyone helping me negotiate brand deals until April 1st, I signed with a management company, which has been amazing and so tremendously helpful for me. Five years later, just to be clear. Yeah, yeah. Five, over, yeah over five years, actually. I just like didn't trust like letting someone into that. And, you know, the brands that I have worked with, which my community, like my Instagram and blog community knows, like I have a very consistent brand lineup where you see the same brands over and over and over again. And that's, that's for a purpose. It's like, I've cultivated these relationships and grown them. And I mean, even this morning I was on the phone with Garden of Life and I was on the phone with Spindrift just saying hi to catch up. Like that's just my personality. Like I like establishing quality relationships with these brands and I didn't want to lose that by having help. But now I like can't imagine not having someone helping me like negotiate things. But I think that to grow my brand to where I wanted it to be, I think it was important at first. But I think that where I am today, I like can't imagine not having someone help me with that. So now I have help with management stuff, which also helps with invoicing, which is great because I still have to stock brands for like money and like paying me like, oh, this is 90 days late. Hello. Like this is how I pay my mortgage. Where's my money? And then I have someone that helps me edit my podcast. And I have a web developer that I just hired that helps me with like ongoing things. So, but no, for the first five years, it was fully Rachel. But even those things aside, like there's still so much that comes to to making a recipe, testing the recipe, messing the recipe up, doing it three more times, photographing it, styling it, editing it, posting it, captioning it, putting it also on the blog, replying to comments. It's like that alone. And that that's even just scratching the surface of what you do. You know, you always another thing like very unique to you and true to you. And I bring this up because there's so much noise into like how to be a food blogger is, I don't know if you still do, but like your photos are iPhone, right? Yeah, they still are. They're all iPhone. Right. So, I mean, I just think that, you know, whenever I start a new project, I Google how to do it. And I get so overwhelmed by what everybody else is doing. This has happened to me in many situations that I get so bogged down by the things that I have to learn that I lose interest in the initial project. But you, you keep it, I think it's called like lean, mar like lean marketing is a term where everything's like you, you stay focused, you have your blinders on, I would say. Would you say you have your blinders on to what other people are doing? Well, it's funny that you say the Googling thing because I Google nothing. Mm. Like with Ezra, I don't Google anything. With pregnancy, I didn't Google anything. I never Googled how to grow an Instagram account. I never... Googled how to do food photography. Like I, never, I don't Google things. And like my mom will, like I, Ezra will have like a pimple on his arm making this mm -hmm. up. And my mom will be like, I'll Google it. I'm like, I'm not Googling it. Like we'll figure it out. I don't like to fall into like a comparison trap in a way where it's like, I feel like if I find something online and it's like telling me to do something a specific way, I'm very narrow minded where then I'll only do it that way. And it like will kind of block off the creativity for me. But if I do something in my own way, I'm not only differentiating myself from like the quote standard way of maybe it's being done, but I'm also just allowing for more creativity to like flow in. When I first had started my blog, every blog that you saw on the internet had a specific niche. There were vegan bloggers, there were paleo bloggers, gluten-free bloggers, like whatever the label was. And to me, that felt really intimidating because I've never followed or prescribed to a specific diet or lifestyle. I've always been like an equal opportunist when it comes to like labels with food. So when 
I was like looking at other blogs, like that in and of itself kind of like gave me a bad taste in my mouth. I'm like, I don't want to do what other people are doing with blogs. I want, you know, vegan eaters to come to my blog. I want paleo people to come to my blog. I want everyone to come here. And no one was really doing that. So I think just in general, it's good to like kind of have an open mind and not always like look into like how things are supposed to be done. That makes sense. I think it makes so much sense. And yet when you're starting everything, the one piece of advice everybody gives, whether it's, you know, going into nutrition or medicine or food blogging or whatever it is, is pick a a niche, a niche, whatever. One of these days, the world's going to figure out how to say that word. But (laughs) pick Pick a pick a niche, just make up my own word for it, and like narrow in on that. And I also struggled with that in the nutrition world because I was excited by everything, and I also didn't want to exclude people. But to your point, yeah. you weren't googling how to do something, and so you found your own way and rhythm. And there's really no one out there doing it like you. And I know a lot of influencers, so I feel pretty confident when I say nobody at your level is running their business like you, right? Do you know anyone running it like you? I don't know. I mean, I don't, it's funny because anytime like I'll talk to someone like, oh, who else are you friends with? Like from Instagram, like I have a lot of friends through Instagram, especially once I've met like you and like handfuls of others, but I don't talk to them about Instagram. Like, I don't, I don't like know, like I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I know that I know that like a lot of other people definitely outsource more than I do. Like they have people taking pictures of their food for them, which honestly sounds amazing. But that's also one of my favorite parts of what I do as a food photography. They have someone editing their photos. They have someone writing their blog posts. They have someone creating the recipes for them. But then I'm like, that's the fun part of what I'm doing to me. So like, I don't want to have that taken away. But at the same time, it's hard now, especially being a mother, trying to be present with Ezra. One of the hardest parts about running your own business, like you don't have a boss. So there's no one right now that's saying, Rachel, you should really be planning December content. Oh, and if you want to take that maternity leave in March and April, you should probably get your shit together and start planning what 2021 is going to look like. Like no one's reminding you to do things and no one's like telling you to do things. You have to do it all yourself and you have to be like extremely proactive to do that, which is, which is like definitely like, I would say the biggest challenge of, of what I do. Speaking of which, you know, again, you started this aggressively in 2015. 2016 for two years I think like your phone was pretty much glued to your hand (laughs) you're shaking your head yes I remember you came out with us you know we became friends and and you were like no this thing doesn't leave my hand at any time and I was like wow this girl's really she's doing it but 2017 2018 you pivoted a little bit you know you'd already been married for a year or two and you and Jordan started family planning and you kind of embarked on as your friend what I call like your second or from 25 and on at least your second life bump where, you know, you think something doesn't go right. So you started family planning and you didn't have a period, right? Like that was problem number one. So I was on birth control, like the pill for 10 years on and off. I went on the pill when I was 16 or 17, somewhere around there. Cause I was like literally the horniest teenager <laughs> you would ever meet. I also had severe, severe cramps. I would text my mom like under my desk at school and be like, have my period, please pick me up. Because like she knew my mom had the same type of period when she was younger, like she couldn't move out of bed either. So she would come pick me up and it was like debilitating having these cramps. I'd be, I remember vividly, I vividly remember this, like laying on the hall in the hallway floor at my parents' house growing up, curled up in a ball, like not even able to make it to my bed because my stomach hurt so bad. So I went on the pill. My mom did not want me to go on the pill. If she listens to this, she will be like, I'm in her head. She's like, I didn't want you to go on the pill. 
And I did anyways, because of like, I thought it was like great for sexual reasons. And I thought it would get rid of my cramps, which it did. So from the ages of 16 till my mid twenties, I lived my best life in that sense. I actually went off of the pill when I got to college because I was having very heavy periods. I was on Yaz. And supposedly this happened to a lot of women on Yaz where like you got like got like blood clots and I would have like, and then all of a sudden one day, just like all this period kept coming and I had my period for like a month and a half straight. And in my head, I'm like, well, this defeats the purpose of being like sexually active on the pill. So I went off of the pill, took myself off of it, didn't go to the doctor to do it, which like was moronic. Took myself off the pill. I don't, and I don't remember if I got my period back after that. I'm going to assume that I did because I feel like if I didn't, I would know that, but I'm going to assume I got my period back then. Then sophomore year, I had lost way too much weight after gaining like freshman, probably like... I would say 2025, I gained a lot of weight my freshman year of college and lost too much weight my sophomore year and then lost my menstrual cycle. So when I lost my menstrual cycle, my gynecologist had recommended going on the pill to make sure that I'm getting hormones to help kickstart my period. My mom and I are very, very close. She's like truly my best, best friend. She's like my sister. And she says, she was like, you need to actually go on at this time. I want to make sure you're getting like the estrogen and the hormones that you need since you were so malnourished looking and underweight. So I went back on the pill, got like a, you know, bleed, breakthrough bleed. I call it a fake period because it's not a real period. Got a fake period every month. I was on the pill till I was like 26, maybe somewhere around there. Went off of it and never saw a period. And Jordan and I wanted to start having a baby. We wanted to start our family. And I remember... I was so naive about it. Like I remember walking to the Whole Foods in Tribeca with him. I want to say I was like 26 at the time. And I looked at him and I was like, I'm ready to like start a family. And he was like, great, me too. Like that's our version of like family planning. And so then we like are so naive and don't realize like you have to track ovulation. Like if I'm not getting a period, I'm probably not ovulating. And we tried for a little bit. And then we realized, I was like, Jordan, this isn't going to work because I don't have a period. So I started to try and solve the missing period um, in every like holistic woo-woo way as possible. I did acupuncture. I tried like 21-day elimination oh diet. I remember like that summer. I remember your summer of that. Yeah. You were not allowed to have bananas. Yes, that was so- 21 days of no bananas for me is yeah. like 21 days of my life. Her bread and butter is banana bread if you don't follow, which I'm sure you do. And I love bananas. Like they're just like, they're great. And like Ezra's first word basically was like nana. Yeah. And I, I really tried like so many ways. I found, I went for, I started seeing Dr. Frank Lippman in the city and he did like a full hormone panel and my hormones and everything looked fine. My cortisol levels were th- through the roof. I guess your cortisol is supposed to kind of start off higher and then dip throughout the day. So when you go to sleep, it's supposed to be a like lower than when you woke up. My cortisol was like the highest level from the moment I woke up and never went down at all. It just stayed like high. And he basically looked at me and said, Rachel, like you're going to die. You need to figure out your stress levels. So I tried to figure out my stress levels. I think it's, that's just going to be an ongoing battle for me, truthfully, till the day that I die, which is hopefully I will be able to figure that out one day. I think I'm in a better place now, obviously, than I was a few years ago. But I also was getting anxious with timing. Like I wanted to have my first kid around 28. And I know you can't always control that. But I also have I gave it a full year of trying like all Eastern medicine approach to getting my period back. And even, you know, like once you get your period back, (laughs) then you start trying to have a baby. So in my head, I'm like, oh my God. So once I even get my period, it's going to be a whole other 
journey trying to actually conceive. So at that point, we went to go see a fertility doctor. It took us a couple of doctors to find one that we really loved. And that's when we started fertility treatment um, to conceive Ezra. And that was when I was 20. Okay, a couple of questions here. One is your cortisol so high. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that your job is at the time, at least 24 seven weekends included all of that? You're shaking your head. Yes. Yeah, I think that's still a huge reason. Like there's not many weekends that there isn't something for work that like has to get done. And that was a huge reason why I signed with an agency because I just felt like I needed to kind of regain more time to do things. And I, you know, I knew if I was going to be a mom, I wanted to be, I mean, no, no, I was a mom when I signed. Like that's how like blackout I was in the last like year. When I I was on, didn't take a maternity leave with Ezra. So like a week after the hospital, I remember walking outside doing conference, like a call, like negotiating things, like with my newborn son when Jordan was like back at his office. But like, I just had that like go, go, go mentality. And it was almost, it's almost like an adrenaline rush that comes back and like really crashes for me. So like, I'll go for however long and then I'll just crash. Yeah. My business is definitely a huge reason. I think for my cortisol, but I also, you can't blame anyone or anything besides yourself. Like I'm in control over this. Like I'm the only one who can like shut myself off to like allow my body to like slow down. But again, like it's not a a judgment to how you work. You know, you are so successful because of how you operate. And the thing that got you so far was also a puzzle piece that needed to be scaled back in order to pivot into the thing you really wanted to do, which is be a mom. I think just like looking at that balance, all of us and thinking like something's got to give is a really interesting thing. When you were trying to get your period back, I know that, you know, a lot of my listeners, I assume, are going to come through the disordered eating world and stuff that I talk about. For you, that meant incorporating a lot of foods that you had not eaten before, right? I've always eaten gluten. I've always eaten dairy. I think that when it came to like food, like fears of things in general, like that was for me like a huge issue in college where I was afraid of like bread and carbs and fat and things. But when I was trying to get my period, like I was definitely eating a pretty heavy fat diet. I just wasn't eating meat. For me personally, I don't do well not eating animal products. Like I tried, I was pescatarian for like, I want to say a few years, maybe like three or four years. And then I wasn't feeling well. And I think it was all synced to my hormones. And that was when I started introducing like bone broth. And then I remember that one of the first meats I ate when I started eating meat was lamb. And from there I was like, I remember I'm like, there isn't a meat that I won't eat. Like a duck in front of me, I'll eat it. Like I like, I'll really eat anything. This is Amy Brown from four things with Amy Brown today. Healthier is happening at CVS health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. You know, having a more like a 360 approach, I should say, to food was really important for me just energy-wise and just digestion-wise and like feeling good. But I do think that like helped prepare my body to conceive. I do think that like when I worked with a fertility doctor in conjunction with Dr. Lipman, eating very well, like making sure I'm getting enough nutrients, I do think that that like helped me in the end, kind of like incorporating parts of like every I just think it's an important one for people to hear in the wellness world, in the food blogging world where your recipes are all, you know, super clean and good and great, just the good stuff, you know, good ingredients, the name of your book. But just to hear somebody confidently say, you know, I eat all foods, meat was a missing piece for me, again, is showing how good you are at like having your blinders are and coming home to Rachel, both in the business world and in the the health world as well. So ultimately, did you get your period back or did you I know you worked with a great fertility doctor, by the way, I read the story and he seems amazing. Yeah, Dr. Foreman is truly like I call him like my like other like baby daddy, which some people think is inappropriate, but I think it's funny. And he's amazing. We went to see him again from currently pregnant. So we went to go see him again for this pregnancy. I actually did get a period between Ezra and this pregnancy, which I contribute to eating cow's milk yogurt every morning for breakfast. I I, that gave me my period. But when I went to go see Dr. Foreman, he had said that my FSH and my LH were a little bit on the lower end and it just didn't look like I was going to actually like ovulate on my own. And he also said that like from transitioning from breastfeeding, like it's hard, like your hormones are so out of whack from the moment you deliver for a while. Like I breastfed for a full year and I know friends that have gotten pregnant while breastfeeding. I know friends that have gotten pregnant without a period after postpartum and they're not, and they're not breastfeeding. So like it just, your body, you just don't know. And Jordan and I didn't know how long it would take us to get pregnant with like the second baby. So with Ezra's little brother, so we had started in June and then went to Dr. Foreman again and conceived thankfully on our first try with Ezra took four tries. So what does that mean? Four tries? What did you end up having to do? So for us, we're fortunate. We did not have to dabble with IVF for either pregnancy. A lot of my friends have, and you know, that is a very, very intense journey. I mean, I think fertility journeys, it's always relative, right? Like it's always going to be intense and a lot for any couple, like no matter which way you conceive. But for Ezra, 
and actually his brother, we conceived the same way, which was injectables. We did Manipure, which you do take for IVF. They're nightly injections into your like lower abdomen between your almost like your upper like vagina area and your belly button and you alternate spots and it doesn't hurt at all the needle. I remember that when I was doing this for Ezra, the CVS gave me the wrong size needle. Mm-hmm. So that really hurt because oh it was like twice the size of the needle is supposed to be. But it's like, I call it like the liquid, like the poison in there. Like that really burns a little bit, but it's completely manageable. Like Jordan d- did it for me every night. And then we did IUI, which is when Jordan literally like ejaculates into a cup. Then they sort all of the sperm, like all of his semen. And I call him like an overachiever semen man because he has like more than enough and I'm like the shit show of the human in the fertility center they sort through all the sperm and then they insert using like a metal catheter kind of like a pap smear type thing they insert it into your uterus so it basically increases the chances of the sperm reaching the egg so we did that and Menopure helps you grow follicles so it helps you grow eggs but the risk with Menopure and really anything that like anything similar to Menopure is the risk of growing too many. So if you grow too many eggs that are mature, that would lead to like multiples. Mm. So we did that method to conceive for Ezra and his brother. But for Ezra, we tried other things before mm. that, which is why we tried like Clomid, we tried Letrozole, which are other follicle stimulating drugs. And then we did IUI though for both for both pregnancies, which is the same chances of getting pregnant with IUI as getting pregnant naturally. So it's only like 15 to 20% success rate. So just to kind of go back to how you felt like Jordan's not the problem, your body is the problem. Rachel, you're clearly you know, an overachiever in every other aspect of life. But like, really, how did it feel? Is it a very out of body experience? Do you, you know, especially after your self love journey, you know, to get there and to go through all that to then have your body defying you? How do you feel? When I was trying to get pregnant with Ezra, we started in February, and then we conceived in June. So it was not that long of a process looking back. But when you're in the thick of it, like it felt an eternity, like I felt so disappointed in myself, and so disappointed in my body. And I felt like I know I'm not the type of person who like truly believes in this, like what I'm about to say, but hopefully people will understand this. Like women's bodies are on this earth to produce children. We're supposed to be able to produce children, whether you want them or you don't want them is fine. But like, that's what the female body is here for. Mm -hmm. And I felt so bummed that my body like wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing. But at the same time, it clearly wasn't like ready or prepared to be doing it at that time, which is fine. Like by going through everything for a year and like learning how to care and treat my, for my body made me a better woman. It like helped my body even more, which now helps me be a better mother. And when I was trying to conceive for Isra's brother, I mean, it worked in the first try, which sure, it could be luck. It could have been something. But I also was like so caring for my body during that time that I feel like my body just felt safer in a way to get pregnant. But it's a lot. And some women and couples struggle for years and years to get pregnant. Like I was talking to a girl this past weekend and her pa- her parents tried to conceive for seven years mm. till they had her. Mm. And that's like heart-wrenching. And it's it's what's hard is that there's only so much in your control 
full. Like you can care for your body. You can make sure it's properly fueled, like has nutrition nutrients. You know, your body just wants to feel safe to carry a child. And I think that putting the pressure on yourself while trying to conceive just makes it even worse. But you know, that was something, it was really hard when we were trying to conceive. And especially a lot of people around me were getting pregnant. And I'm like, why is everyone pregnant besides me? Right, right. That type of feeling. You're somebody that puts your mind to something and you can do it. So to be quote unquote, working so hard and not getting the results like that is not the equation that Rachel Mansfield signed up for for life. Like anything you put your mind to, you do. It's so funny you say that because I like don't think of myself like that, but m- like my family, like yeah. most people. You're a horny shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said it. And when I was asking my family and like friends, like if they thought I was having a boy or a girl for this pregnancy, like what the sex was, my dad's response to me, I'll never forget it. He goes, I think everyone, first of all, basically everyone thought I was ha- we were having a girl. So there's that. But he goes, I think you're having a girl. And I was shocked he said that. I said, oh, why? He goes, because you get whatever you want, you make it happen. Mm-hmm. That was his response to me. And I just said, but dad, this is so out of my control. Like, yeah, I could say like whatever I want or whatever, but like, I can't control that. It's funny because when I was in high school and like tried to play sports and like tried to do anything in life that was quote competitive, I was the person on the lacrosse field talking to my opponent about like the OC episode <laughs> that was on the week before, like <laughs> chit chatting, like not competitive at all. Like I was basically told I would never excel in sports because I'm not competitive enough. Like I don't care. But when it comes to so. myself, I'm like very competitive and like always set goals that I want to achieve, which I think is helpful and has definitely been helpful and key in growing my business for sure. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to like, I don't like to be too hard on myself. Yeah, I feel like that really like sums it up though. Like it's not a competition with other people, but like there's an inner fire that keeps your blinders on without you realizing it, but keeps you moving forward in the right direction. And I think your family also has a big part to do with it. You know, your Instagram stories, but also the stories that you tell, you know, it's the same characters over and over again. It's Jordan, McJordo, you know, it's your mom, it's it's Jordan's mom. You're very in your world and comfortable in your world. You're not going on grand vacations with influencers or anything like that. Like you're with your family and you're just eyes on the prize. And I see that a lot with it's kind of a, a weird because I don't even know if you know each other, but like Ariel Charnas is another person who's wildly successful in fashion. And when I look at her, it's the same thing. She just like puts all of her energy into her own brand and her family. And I see that with you, too. It's like your brand and your family, couple friends, and you stay so narrow. And it's such a good reminder to not look into the other lane for so many things. That's a huge compliment to be compared to Ariel because she's like a boss when it comes to running. Both her, of you. Think of like when I brand that she's grown though like I remember this is actually a funny story when I was getting married I was like obsessed with her like obsessed and I just like loved what she was doing she was putting one of the first people like put herself out there and like mm-hmm. give zero fucks sure. Danielle one of my best friends from college called her like emailed her mm-hmm. and, and she sent a video being like happy bachelorette week stop stop <laughs> to me for my bachelorette party oh. and I was like oh my gosh I still have the video on my phone and then I saw her in person once in the Hamptons and I ran up to her at a coffee shop before she was married to Brandon uh-huh. like or Brandon yeah a long time ago before I was even married and I remember going up to him like hi I just wanted to introduce myself and he, I remember him saying she loves this because it was before she like really really grew her brand too but 
that's so true in the sense where she so sticks to like her crew and her people. And like, I don't trust many people when it comes to especially certain things in like the Instagram space. And I don't think everyone's me. And I'm not saying that whatsoever, but it is a competitive area. Like I know people that like will go out to lunch or do something with other people just because they're hoping they'll post an Instagram yeah. story out of it. and that They'll get more followers. Mm-hmm. And that's not my prerogative. Like you're not going to see me doing like collaborative, like ways to grow my account with other people. Like if someone wants to follow, they'll follow. Or organic if if there's value to it, not just, you know, that quick, easy, you know, you see my name, follow me. So yeah, I think that you certainly stand out in the space. And when I go to your blog, you know, I'm not just getting the recipes, although they're there, you know, I'm also, I think your fire anniversary, which we celebrate every year. I remember one year we actually went out for drinks for it, you know, but that (laughs) alone, I think, you know, that's what the truthiest life is about. It's about recognizing that the hardest moments actually shaped you into who you need to be in this world or who the world needs you to be. And very few people lean into that difficulty. I mean, I knew your fertility story on your blog. We've got part one. We've got part two. I mean, I assume that these are some of your most read articles. The blog post was trying to conceive with Ezra the um, the video and then this journey as well as like my fired blog anniversary, my like tra- introducing meet again four years ago blog post. Like that's the content that resonates the best with people. And I think it's, I mean, yeah, recipes are delicious, but like, it's nice to humanize the person behind creating the cookies and the banana breads and whatever it may be. And something that I think is really important that I always remind myself is every time that there's been like a struggle or like some type of weakness or something in my life, I have tried to find a way to kind of turn that into, sounds so cheesy, turn it like into like a rainbow of sorts, like turn it into something that's going to do good. So for getting fired, I grew my own business from going through fertility treatment. Yes, I've been able to like healthily conceive two children, knock on wood, but I've also been able to open up that dialogue with couples everywhere. And like to see a lot of people going to see my Dr. Foreman now, like that makes me so happy that like, I wish someone was talking about this when I was trying to conceive that I could relate to. And even just food in general, like I was mocked and mocked and made fun of all the time, like by my, my, by my parents at first for how I wanted to eat when it came to organic. And I used to have to go beg my mom to take me to Whole Foods when I moved back home to save money. I was like, please take me to Whole Foods because I wanted to buy organic apples and I wanted to buy quality fish. Like I wanted wild salmon and I wanted non-GMO things. And no one knew what that was six, seven years ago. Like, I mean, yes, I shouldn't say no, no one. Like people you. did know what nowhere near how it is today. And when I started making recipes with like oat flour and almond flour and coconut oil, people were like, what the heck are you doing? And if I listened to all that negativity and all of that chatter, I wouldn't have been able to do what I'm doing today. And all that stemmed when I was 25 pounds less than I am today. And those aren't things that are intentional. Like I don't purposely go through struggles to find a way to turn it into like something sweet at the end. But it's nice to know that like every time you're struggling through something, like there is light. At, I always say there's light at the end of the tunnel. Like even if you don't see it yet, like it is there like, waiting for you. I love that. It's very helpful, I think, in all aspects of life. So this year you wrote your first book. What can you tell us about the book? So Just the Good Stuff came out February 
February, at the end of February, I think February 25th was my pub date. We had a tour plan that was like throughout the country for the first half of this year. Unfortunately, we had to like cancel because of COVID. But it, the book is the first like tangible something that's not connected to like, unless you buy the Kindle version, but it's like not connected to like your phone or your laptop excuse me, or your iPad. It's something you can take with you that's like not on a screen, which I thought was so important. Like I love giving people recipes and content, but I also love finding a way to come into their homes and connect with them that's not just on a phone. And you know, a book is like evergreen. Like it's it's on your bookshelf, it's in your kitchen, it's wherever you want it to be. And there's so much more in it than just recipes. There's like stories of like body image for me. There's stories of actually how I introduced me, stories of how I met Jordan and all the chapters are categorized in a very different way than most cookbooks. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but like one of the chapters is all about my favorite homemade snacks and it's called like Netflix and chill. And it's like all about how I met Jordan and all of our favorite snacks together. And then there's a whole, I know a lot of my readers that don't eat meat, there's a whole meat chapter. So it was easy for people to navigate. If they're not interested in eating like bacon and beef meatballs, totally fine. Just skip this chapter and like everything else in the book is for you. But the book is actually all gluten free, which I didn't realize until I started like promoting it and people were asking, I'm like, I think so, (laughs) but it's all gluten-free and it's like, I always like to say it's like the healthier ways to enjoy comfort foods. And I don't think that means you don't eat the comfort foods as classics as they are, but I'm someone who wants to like eat Pop-Tarts every day. Like I want to eat like homemade puppy chow every day and dessert every day. And if I eat them and look like filled with other ingredients, I'm not going to feel as good. But if I eat those, when my mom makes them, when I'm at the bakery, and when I feel like making them, it's fine. But if I want cookies every day, I want them to be made with like nutritious ingredients for me that like aren't going to spike my blood sugar and make my OBGYN and tell me I have gestational diabetes again. So I want to like, yeah, I also had that too. The book itself is just, I'm excited. I I, I get like, I blush thinking about it because it's so cool to just say like all of those recipes are in a book and there are a hundred recipes that you can't find on my blog. And it's cool because even though it's not a memoir, like we're learning about you every step of the way. And I do want to mention, you know, I was live I moved back to New York this summer but in February I was still living in DC and you invited me to your book launch party and first of all I walked in you know there's a line out the door of people waiting for your signature and first of all as your friend that just made me tear up because you know like I said we I knew you when you got fired December 3rd 2015 here we are 2025 years later lines out the door door for people just to take a picture with you. You know, it's surreal for me. But we walk in. I remember I'm standing next to Hannah Bromfman and the place is decorated perfectly. And I'm like, wow. And Rich and Hannah's like, oh, yeah, a planner definitely did this. And I was like, definitely not. If you know Rachel, Rachel definitely did this herself. And Hannah's like, wow, kudos to her if that's true. And I asked you and you decorated that place completely yourself. My so I hired my in laws to help me with like the flowers and like bring everything to life. But yes, I fully planned that entire party with the help of Garden of Life, was like my co sponsor for the book tour. And my friend that works at Garden of Life is like one of my best friends in the whole world. So for me, it was basically like planning with a friend. And we were like literally like the event planners. I remember saying, like, we can go into like the party planning business after this. Like, this is great. I feel so lucky that I was able to do like two out of the 10. I'm glad I could be there too. And it was pre-COVID. But I just want everyone to understand, like, again, where everyone else is outsourcing, you are putting your energy, but 
unlike most people, you're not left like deplete. Like this is just how you roll and it works for you. And it's so freaking impressive from where I sit. I mean, I'm not going to try it because I just know I'll fail. Like I know my, my limits, but you know, still you're amazing. So what is your favorite recipe from the book? I'm going to name more than one. My paleo pop tarts, mm. my homemade puppy chow, my chocolate lava cakes. I think those are my favorite like sweet recipes that aren't on my blog at all. Like there's obviously banana bread in the book, but like these are the ones that are like book exclusive. And then Jordan's Sunday roasted chicken because every Sunday in the winter he roasts like a whole chicken. And it's the only way that I'll personally eat chicken unless it's a chicken finger. And it's so good. And that's in the book. I don't know. I love so many of the recipes. Really versatile. Yeah. Like I like things that like speak to my soul and like satisfy like what I want. And that's what the book has for me. Favorite recipe on rachelmansfield.com. And I'll link all of Rachel's contact below as well. So you guys can follow her and check her out. But on the blog. So if somebody here is like brand new to you, they just want to see what you're about. What recipe should they go make right now? The chocolate chip walnut cookies, Mm. I think are game changing. And they're like legit cookies. Like they all they I use like pasture raised butter in them. Like they're good cookies. And they're one of my favorites for anyone who like doesn't has like a dairy allergy or anything. I have my almond flour chocolate chip cookies are an awesome alternative. And then I think that like my one of my favorite recipes is my vegan cinnamon swirl banana bread. It's a classic. It's so truly one of the most popular recipes on the blog. And it tastes like a cinnamon roll and banana bread in one, which yeah doesn't give up. It doesn't. That. All right. One serious question and then some fun questions. So obviously lots of people lost their job to COVID. And I know it's not the same, but what is your advice for someone who's home right now thinking that they hit rock bottom? I know that maybe running their own business isn't for everyone, like you have said before, and I 100% agree. But what would you tell somebody who thinks they're at rock bottom at home right now? You are the only one in control over your own destiny. You control over what the future holds for you. While it may seem that, you know, the environment and what we're going through in society does, you can make something happen out of this. And like, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Thank you for that. Do you think that everything happens for a reason? Within reason. You know, I think that in sometimes that's correct. I like love this question, by the way. This is one of my favorite things to answer. I think sometimes it's correct. I think sometimes it's so not like my mom's best friend's son just had a really bad accident and he's 21 years old and it's like he is in like a medically induced coma now. Like, why did that happen? Like things like that. I'm like, what's the reasoning? Like, where's the rationale behind it? But like my mom always, like Ezra was a really tough kid and my mom always said like, because you can handle it. Like, this is why that happened. Mm -hmm. Like you can handle a tough child. Like only things that happen that you can handle. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I I used to think everything happened for a reason. And like now as I'm getting older and I'm just like hearing more experiences, I don't think it's applicable to everything. Like Jordan's grandfather had a stroke at 50 and was like paralyzed for his his left side for 20 something years. Like what's the reasoning for that? I hear you. I love listening to people say, some people say yes, some people say no. And then some people have answers like that. I love it. Okay. Last question. What type of tree would you be if you were a tree? I don't even know tree names. You could describe Um, a tree that's coming to mind. See, something's coming. Something is. I think a palm tree because I'm so lanky. Like I have the longest legs ever that like, I just feel like I'm like always like, like a palm tree is. And (laughs) you're probably going to retire to Florida in like five years, I always say. I'm like, this girl (laughs) is 30 going on 82. (laughs) No, I know. I know. I actually was just saying that to someone this morning, like I on the prize, maybe five more years. (laughs) Hilarious. You are a palm tree, though. Those long legs, they do it. They do it for me. That's for sure. And they do it for me 
Nick Giordo. All right, Rachel, thank you for coming on and thank you for living your truthiest life. You're so unique to yourself and we could all take a page out of your book on how to just be ourselves. Thanks for sharing the hard parts of your life. We love you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for your new venture. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.